Hey there, and welcome to the Jimmy's Table podcast at jimmystable.com. I'm your host, Jimmy Humphrey. I'm curiously evangelical, politically homeless, and a dreamer of small things. On this podcast, I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. So if you have honest questions, aren't afraid to have difficult conversations, and want to have a little fun along the way, then pull up a chair. This podcast is for you. So today's episode 181 of the Jimmy'sTable.com podcast, and I'm going to talk about Mr. Beast healing 1,000 people on YouTube and the topic of performative charity. If you're not familiar with Mr. Beast, recently, YouTuber by the nickname Mr. Beast paid for the eye surgery of over 1,000 blind people who suffered from a form of cataracts that can easily be healed by surgery, but these people couldn't afford the surgery, so he paid for the surgery for them. And he did this for over a thousand people, and on top of it, he gave them a briefcase filled with $10,000 in cash. And he went ahead and filmed this entire fiasco and condensed it to an eight-minute video on YouTube, which has gained global attention. To date, At the time of the recording of this podcast, which is on February 4th when I'm recording this, of 2023, the video has only 84 million downloads in six days after appearing on his channel and YouTube. Um, If you don't know who Mr. Beast is, Mr. Beast is a 24-year-old North Carolina man named Jimmy Donaldson and is one of the most popular YouTube producers in the entire world. He has over 130 million subscribers on his channels. On YouTube, Mr. Beast often engages in elaborate acts of charity and some other stunts uh, that he records on video and then publishes. Uh, He's had a lot of giveaways and some pretty dramatic things of late that have definitely garnished some attention. Uh, And it kind of reminds me at the end of the day a lot of of the things that Oprah Winfrey used to do on her talk show back in the day. For those of you who are old enough to remember back in the day, and it's still a popular internet meme that you can use as a GIF type thing uh, when you're on social media, but Oprah used to have her show and at one point she was having like Oprah's favorite things and she was giving away all sorts of like cars and money and things like that and if you were lucky to be in her audience under that day she'd ask you like to look under your chair and see what you're getting and she'd be like you get a car you get a car we all get a car and she'd point her fingers and shoot pistols with them and and get all excited and everybody would like have a meltdown and it would you know it went viral and, and Oprah definitely garnished some attention for her elaborate um, stunts that she would engage in charity on her show over the years. So much so that even though the Oprah Winfrey show hasn't been a thing in a a really long time, uh, it still lives on in pop culture as a very memorable moment of television history and things like that have gained uh, garnished Oprah Winfrey a lot of fame as being just this great do-gooder who, you know, makes... Uh, All sorts of wonderful things happen to people because of the fortune she has made over the years from her media, her media um, engagements and TV shows and magazines and things of that nature. Um, 
So, Oprah did these things. Mr. Beast is kind of doing this sort of thing. He's kind of like a modern-day Oprah on YouTube in that regard. Uh, he doesn't just do strictly these things on his show. He does all sorts of other things. He has some gaming channels and uh, just, you know, all sorts of just ridiculous shenanigans that he's been able to, you know, make in a massive following from doing. Uh, but he has been known for doing these sort of exploitive um, attention-grabbing, performative charity type things in recent months. Um, Mr. Beast's videos overall have gotten hundreds of millions of views, if not more. Um, and he's estimated to have a net worth as a result of all the stuff that he's done on YouTube of being over $100 million in net worth at the ripe old age of 24. Not bad for a North Carolina boy. <laughs> Not bad at all. And it's all generated as a result of the ad revenue and sponsorship deals that he lands as a result of his platform on YouTube. And the more he seems to make, the bigger his performative acts of charity seem to become. And his most recent of healing a thousand blind people and paying for their surgeries to be done and then sticking a camera in their face so that they could thank him profusely uh, afterwards and then making it into a YouTube video for others to see. Um, that just seems to keep piling on to his popularity uh, and his fame and his celebrity status and helping him become increasingly more wealthy. Um Got to admit, Mr. Beast, what he's doing, pretty impressive. Nobody can deny that. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. And I don't think we should downplay the significance of what he's doing. It's not exactly new as far as what he's doing for, for the exploitive uh, sort of charity performance thing. Um, because this sort of thing has always existed in some form or another when it comes to media. Um, in my lifetime, I know we've had, you know, an assortment of TV shows that exist uh, to basically uh, be what some people call poverty porn, um, in which they, the TV show exists for the, the sole purpose of giving something away and then filming it. Uh, we saw things like Oprah do this on her show from time to time. Or you had famous shows with like Ty Pennington and his extreme makeover home edition show um, in which they would make over uh, very nice homes for very poor people um, and do things to give back. And it's always been heartwarming, you know, heart-tugging sort of TV drama um, that's being done as a form of charity as well as a form of entertainment. All while everybody benefits. It's a win for the poor person usually. It's a win for uh, the TV network. It's a win for the celebrity. Everybody's winning, you know. Hashtag winning, right? Uh, who, who doesn't love it? It's the most American sort of thing I think you can do. Um, but, you know, it's not only TV shows and Oprah and Ty Pennington who are doing these things. It's not only Mr. Beast and, and other YouTube celebrity types who are doing these things. These sort of charity, uh, performative charity things have been something that have been a long staple um, in our culture. Whether it's corporations or local mom and pop businesses or even churches. You know, you've all seen these sort of organizations engage in these sort of behaviors for some good PR. 
We all can envision the, the charity, or we can all envision the, the corporation or the mom and, prop, uh, mom and pop business owner who, you know, will do these charity events and they'll print a big check, you know, the size of a person, and they'll have a photo op where they're shaking hands with somebody who's crying as they hand over the, the big giant person-sized check with a large amount written on it and sticking a camera in their face so that they can get it as a headline and say, look how wonderful we are. Look what a great organization we are. Yeah, we, we, we do things for profit, but we also care about our community and support our local community. Um, you know, so we're, we're all very familiar with these sort of acts that corporations, mom and pops and churches engage in, in addition to the entertainment venues and mass media. Um, heck, it's not even the do-gooder organizations that limit themselves to this uh, sort of behavior. Uh, I can remember seeing a documentary once on Netflix, and unfortunately I forget the name of the documentary, um, but it was about North Korea and the dictator that was over there about a decade ago and how he had invited, or more than a decade ago rather, and the, the former dictator of Korea, whose name I forget off the top of my head, forgive me for not doing that research, but it probably doesn't matter. <laughs> but I remember that uh, documentary talking about how this North Korean dictator invited Doctors Without Borders to come to his country to perform eye surgery for blind people um, that also had this cataracts problem that Mr. Beast was addressing. Um, and you can be sure that the North Korean dictator, um, when he invited doctors without borders to come perform this eye surgery um, in his country, that you can be sure he was there with cameras to point the cameras in the face of the, the people of North Korea so that the moment that the bandages came off their eyes, you could see them cry, and you could see them be so thankful to their fearless leader who they would then prostrate themselves in front of uh, for healing them of their blindness. Um, and so, you know, it's not just something that do-gooders do. You know, even evil dictators like the dictator of North Korea engage in this sort of performative charity sort of stuff. Um, and there's all sorts of people, both good and bad and in between, who have engaged in these sort of behaviors throughout the years and throughout the history of the world. And, you know, it, it got me to thinking because I started hearing of this controversy and this, this stuff with Mr. Beast. Uh, a friend uh, brought it out to me and you know, I read some of the criticisms of individuals like Mr. Beast who engage in some activity um, and others like him. Some call this sort of behavior tacky and tasteless. They call it charity porn. And they critique the exploitive nature of it all where people like him, as well as corporations and mom-and-pop businesses, often make a profit off the misfortune of others and they use their charity in order to make that profit. And even though while Mr. Beast has claimed personally to lose over a million bucks on each of these sort of charity videos that he puts together, you know, and I, and I have links to all this in the show notes, by the way, at jimmystable.com if you're interested in finding out about Mr. Beast more, watching the video, or finding out about some of the claims being made. But, you know, while Mr. Beast might claim that he might lose over a million bucks on each video that he makes, for these sort of things, 
you know, the, the banker in me who has reviewed a thing or two in life, you know, understands that there's some ways about disclosing your math on such things. Uh, and I, I would say there's clearly some fuzzy math uh, going on and some math that, you know, almost comes off a bit, bit as a disingenuous sort of maybe even borderline lie. Because, um, you know, there's only so many people who can claim to lose millions of dollars on a regular basis, um, you know. And the only people who can do that are people who are making millions more. <laughs> you know, that's just, that's just how it works. The, the math has to be sustainable at the end of the day. You can't just keep doing these things until you, you know, lose your way into oblivion, you know, doing good. Um, and while, you know, he would claim that he makes, you know, millions through other ventures uh, on YouTube, like with video game channels and, and things of that nature, you know, that's some nice PR there, Mr. Beast. Like, you know, people are going to want to watch your stuff all the more now. And even though the video itself may cost you, you know, over a million dollars to, to put together and, and, and money out of your pocket, we all know how it, the circle of life works, right? Um, you know, yeah, he might lose a million dollars, but man, he has 84 million downloads after six days. So something tells me that uh, what he lost out on the front side, he's going to probably make back on the, the back end of things. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, that's, that's how these things work. Uh, of course, I could be totally wrong about this, and this is all speculation on my part. But let's just say I know a thing or two about a thing or two, okay? Um, you know, you can research it for yourself and come to your own conclusions, and maybe, maybe I am wrong. Um, but uh, I can't help but believe that uh, he's not making some money on the back end of it somehow. So, I'm just saying. So... There are those who, you know, would say that Mr. Beast is a terrible person, engaging in exploitive behavior, making charity porn, and doing things in a tacky and tasteless way. But, you know, for all his criticisms, there are, you know, plenty of people coming to his aid in his defense. There are others who say, you know, ultimately what he's doing is a good thing. You know, he is actually helping people out. First and foremost, let's get that straight. A thousand blind people are having a transformative surgery that's going to let them see. And that shouldn't be downplayed in any sort of way. That should be something we celebrate. A thousand people are having their lives permanently changed by receiving a surgery that's apparently, from what I understand, a very simple surgery, but something that many people just can't afford. And it removes the cataracts from their eyes and allows them to see when they haven't been able to see in years or have just really bad vision as a result. You know? So let's get that out there. For whatever you know, you might say about the, the charity porn aspect of it. Man, I bet these people whose lives are being changed, I bet they're happy that Mr. Beast is exploiting them. <laughs> You know, I wouldn't question too much anybody who changed my life in such a dramatic way. Um, if somebody helped me out, it's going to be like, I don't care what his motives are. And oh man, he's making a million dollars off of me. Pfft, okay, glad he did it. Um, 
So there's a very, you know, just simple pragmatic nature of it that just like, hey, you know, whatever the means he's using in order to make this stuff happen, you know, the ends justify the means at the end of the day, right? And it's ultimately a good thing that he's doing because um, he is actually helping people, right? And then there are others who say, well, this is a good thing on another level because it raises a social awareness to a much larger problem that exists in our society and in our world and how we need to ultimately cultivate larger systemic reforms to make such acts of charity or to make such exploitive performance charity completely unnecessary to begin with. Um, others say, hey, this is a great opportunity for things like universal health care or maybe more cheaper insurance or you know, whatever the exact social economic criticism of it may be. They ultimately see it as raising awareness to a need that needs to be met that we're failing as a society and as individuals to meet. Um, so they see that uh, him doing this it's like, man, it, it may suck that he has to do this, but I'm glad he did because it raises a much broader awareness of a uh, terrible thing that exists in our world and our need to eradicate such things. But then there's others who simply dismiss the criticism that people level against Mr. Beast as just being jealous haters. And, you know, there's a lot of jealous haters out there. There are some people who can't stand to see other people prosper. There are some people out there in this world who can't stand uh, to see other people do good while they merely sit on the sidelines as keyboard warriors and podcasters and people like that who simply run their mouths and don't do anything to make the world a better place, unlike Mr. Beast. And, you know... There's, there's some good criticism for that because there's a lot of people who love just to run their mouths um, at the end of the day. And there are people who are jealous of other people's success. And there are people who are so-called haters. Um, so we shouldn't ignore the fact that individuals like Mr. Beast and like him are actually changing the lives of people in a very real and profound way, making a tangible difference in their lives and really raising broader awareness across the, the country and the world of a greater issue that other people need to address. So, for all the criticisms we may offer of Mr. Beast, you know, there's some pretty good startling defenses of the actions that uh, Mr. Beast is doing. And, you know, at the end of the day, one could argue, I think, also as well, that something that I've not heard personally argued, but something... Um, I would argue myself, perhaps, is that things like this can just simply be a good way of doing charity. If you turn your charity into a profitable and sustainable business that can keep changing folks' lives, you know, maybe we shouldn't hate the players of these games. Maybe we should just hate the nature of the game itself. Because we live in a capitalist sort of based society, not fully capitalist, and anybody who says it's a fully capitalist society doesn't understand capitalism or the society that we live in. But we live in a society that's largely bent towards capitalist enterprise. Um, and you could argue that such is simply the nature of the system that we live in. That our system has holes and weaknesses that allow the least of these to fall through the cracks. That allow people with real problems to go through life 
crippled, blind, maimed, starving, hungry, uh, without jobs, without work, without means of caring for themselves, without people who love them and can help them. Um, and, you know, if they can turn uh, their capitalist sort of based uh, game that they're playing in a capitalist sort of based society, um, and they can make an, a profit off that so that it becomes a sustainable force that's able to continue generating results um, in a real world you know, that's just simply the economic system that we have. And to some degree, who can hate on somebody for being able to, you know, exploit the system that we have and play the game by the, the, the rules of the game um, in order to do good in a way that is sustainable, in a way that benefits others. And if you win along the process and you make some money in the process, well, you know, good for you. Who, who can fault you for that? Because after all, none of us would critique other YouTube, YouTube stars and social media influencers who make millions of dollars from promoting nothing but stupid products and services that they want to sell you. Or then turning around and, and in the process after having made their millions from YouTube, uh, turning around and then living the most lavish and crass lifestyles high off the hog that benefit nobody but themselves as they do nothing but consume uh, for themselves. Like, we, we wouldn't bat an eye at things like that. Um, you know, look at the Kardashians, for example. Uh, they are famous for being famous, um, and they have gotten filthy rich off of simply being media influencers on the social webs and doing their fame and getting famous. And all they do is promote stupid products and services and promote their own beauty, promote their own business lines and, and things like that. And then they get to live filthy, rich, over-the-top lives, you know, simply for peddling stupid crap to people who do nothing but want more stupid crap. Um, I, and I would argue that, you know, somebody like Mr. Beast is probably arguably doing more good for society than the Kim Kardashians of the world is with their fames and fortunes. Um, so give me a million Mr. Beast over a million Kardashians any day of the week. And that's not to say I'm sure Kim Kardashian and her family aren't doing some good out there in the world. I'm going to give them benefit of the doubt and assume that they are. But I can't help but notice just, you know, from having seen the Instagram uh, feeds and, and things in the news that, man, they get to not only promote living high off the hog and being beautiful people, living rich and luxurious lives, but they get to, you know, <laughs> they get to indulge in all the greatest indulgences that there are to indulge in the world um, as a result of doing nothing but being a walking billboard for other people. So, I've said all these things. I've listened, I believe, to both sides of the issue, that there are those who would critique Mr. Beast for what he's done, that there were those who would sing the praises of Mr. Beast. I've offered some of my own commentary, maybe some of the good things that Mr. Beast is doing and how it's probably not as bad as we might want to make it out. Um, I, I deeply sympathize um, with the fact that he's doing good and he's genuinely helping people out. And, and yeah, he's getting rich in the process, but man, who could hate on a guy who is getting rich for helping people? You know, none of us get angry at our doctors for, you know, living good lives off of helping people every day. <laughs> uh, so, 
you know, it's, it's hard to get too mad at somebody who is nothing but a 24-year-old college dropout who's making millions of dollars a month off YouTube, turning those millions into a way as kind of helping some people, right? But you know, in all this, there's still something that just kind of makes me nervous about it all. I'm not going to lie. It's something that has always stuck with me over the years. And I've seen it especially in, you know, the church, especially the evangelical church. And especially back in the days when I used to go to uh, Elevation Church, um, you know, where there's this sort of issue of performative righteousness, um, this performative charity, this sort of exploitation sort of thing, because as good as some of these organizations might be doing, whether it's um, your, your local bank helping veterans, you know, get affordable homes, whether it's your local mom and pop roofing business, you know, replacing the, the roof of a poor person for free, or whether it's your church giving to some social cause um, and then putting a camera in front of people so that they can see them cry on camera about the money that they're giving them, the difference they're making in the community. You know, all this sort of stuff, I just... I can't escape some things that Jesus said on this topic in the Sermon on the Mount because I, I think it cuts through, you know, some of the, 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 the criticisms that we get into regarding these things because even when the criticisms are good, I, I always feel like they're kind of off. And people, aren't, people see these things and they... Everybody usually feels at some level of unease about these sort of things at some level, but they're never able to quite put their finger on it and identify what about this is just not right. Why is this settle with us in kind of a weird way for some people? And, and, I, and I feel like the criticisms that are offered sometimes, while they can be good, they just don't land a punch in the right way because I, I think that, that they, they kind of miss the mark and they don't quite get at it. And that's why I find the Sermon on the Mount, in which Jesus addresses this, this very issue, by the way, cuts through a lot of the messy sort of arguments we get to get in over this sort of performative charity sort of stuff. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said the following, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving will be done in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you are not to pray like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have the reward in full. Jesus ultimately paints this performative charity gig sort of stuff as a trade-off. And ultimately, an exposure of what our hearts are ultimately after. Jesus addressed the religious leaders of his day. He's like, hey, you guys are giving charity to the poor. 
And you're, by the way, that's making a real tangible difference in the lives of poor people. But you know, I noticed something about your performance. Everybody sees it. <laughs> you blow your trumpet, you toot your own horn, and you make sure that the ancient biblical cameras that they had in those days, whatever they were, <laughs> they didn't have cameras back in those days, but they had their equivalent. They, they blew their own horn in public and said, hey, look at what a wonderful person I am. Look at what I'm doing, everybody. Isn't what I'm doing just grand? Look at me help this poor person here. Man, oh man, look at me go. And so... You can do these acts of charity for fame and fortune, Jesus says. But you know, in doing that, you're making a huge trade-off. And you're making a trade-off that's making you miss something that's more important, according to Jesus. Yes, you can get riches and honor in all this. And indeed, individuals like Mr. Beast are getting riches and honor and doing these things. But what's more important to you at the end of the day, Jesus ultimately asked, to be rewarded by men for your charitable deeds? Or are you looking to be rewarded by God? What is your heart ultimately after? What makes it tick? Yeah, Jesus says you can do these things for fame and for honor. He says, you'll have your reward in full. And you'll have it for men. And what, at the end of the day, can you really do with any of that? Because all that stuff is temporary. But the reward that your Heavenly Father offers you, it's a reward that will endure. It's a reward that won't suffer loss, and that can't be taken away by others. But it's only a reward that comes from God if you perform your acts of kindness, your acts of charity, if you do it in private, and not be, while exploiting others and blowing a trumpet and announcing how wonderful you are. Because if you want rewards of this world in full, Jesus says, you can have them. But what's of greater importance to you, man's rewards or God's? And the teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount here in Matthew chapter 6, I believe they're pretty clear. Help others. Just don't put on a show while doing it. And it might be good for your reputation and your business, and you might turn it into a successful model. There's undoubtedly um, the religious leaders of Jesus' day who were doing just that. I'm sure their giving to help others produced fame and honor for themselves that allowed them to continue to help others and, and reap the benefits and rewards of that and, and to continue to make a difference in society and culture. And people did that back then, and people are still doing that today. But you know, for Jesus, true charity, true difference, true reward is ultimately by doing these sort of things sacrificially and in silence. And I think Jesus would challenge us that when we do such activities, 
that we shouldn't stick a camera in somebody's face, that we shouldn't toot our own horn in public, that we shouldn't do things like take a picture of us handing a big check to a poor person who needs our help and then making sure it gets published on Facebook or in the news. <laughs> you know? Or that our churches don't make some sort of like two-minute video that they re run at the beginning of the service so we can clap about how wonderful our charity is helping our church thrive and do the work of God's kingdom. Our charity, Jesus says, should be done in such a way that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. But the way we do it today, both left and right hand know what they're doing, and they make sure others are sure to see it. And, you know, in saying all this, while you might actually do tangible good and make a real benefit in the lives of the people that you help in the process, there's just something sharp that is found in Jesus' words, something that just doesn't allow me to escape from the challenge that Jesus issues in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, Jesus sees something in a performative charity that comes with a certain taint, something that ultimately corrupts, and something that fundamentally exposes a thing that is broken, not simply in society, but in the orientation of our hearts in doing such things. So much so that I still think it brings into question. And the mind of Christ, and this is a very challenging thing for me because I sit there and think, you know, well, how can Jesus say these things knowing that people are benefiting from them, but Jesus says them anyway. You don't think Jesus didn't recognize that the poor person was benefiting from the religious leader's public charity? Of course he recognized such. And you might say, well, why should somebody get in the way of that if it's going to, to ultimately make it more difficult for me to fund future endeavors? <laughs> you know, if I can do more good by engaging in this performative charity than you can do without engaging in it, then I'm the better person and because I'm ultimately seeing better results. And you could make that argument. But, you know, there's just something about it that in the Sermon on the Mount and in the mind of Christ that Jesus just says, no. And I wrestle with that because it seems like the pragmatic part of me wants to say, okay, we're helping people. Who cares who gets the glory, Jesus? You know? Or where that glory comes from. But I think in saying that, it just shows how in tune our hearts are ultimately with the ways of Jesus. And it shows that whatever the force of our argument we might be able to bring to some, such circumstances, there's just something about it that Jesus just says, you ain't right. And that's challenging because it, it, it challenges the logic of of how we operate, it challenges maybe even the do-good nature of our hearts to help people, you know, and we just, you know, we, we bleed empathy and we want to help people and, you know, who cares how it happens, but for some reason, Jesus isn't impressed by how much you bleed for somebody else. And he sees a taint 
in all this. He sees something exploitive in it. And he sees something that's ultimately out of step with simply the way the kingdom of God is supposed to operate. And while there might be many net goods at the end of the day for that person and what the tangible difference that's being made in their lives, you know, Jesus is just like, "Mm, maybe we shouldn't do things this way. That's something that's difficult to live with. That's something that's, that's hard for me to wrap my head around as, as a Christian male living in an American Western society. But as a Christian, I'm called ultimately to submit my mind to the mind of Christ, to the scriptures, to the word of God, to the ethics of the teachings of the Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount and, and how he thinks we should ultimately follow. And I'm not sure I can 100% explain it, And I'm not going to lie, I'm not going to say I 100% like it, even as a Christian who loves Jesus. But then that challenges me, like, hmm, there's something in me that doesn't like the teachings of Jesus on this matter. And if I don't like something about the teachings of Jesus in that matter, what's that say about me? It shows that There's something in my heart that thinks that my wisdom is greater than the wisdom of Christ. That's something I have to wrestle with. Because it seems like the way of the world, the way that the leaders in Jesus' day operated was a conventional wisdom that persists even to this day. But it's a wisdom that Jesus ultimately challenges. So in conclusion... I feel it's kind of hard to be super black and white about the performance of charity that guys like Mr. Beast perform in return for their fame and fortune. There's definitely some uncomfortable shades of gray we're having to deal with here on a number of levels. And don't get me wrong, while I don't think such actions in and of themselves are evil, and very real good is clearly being done, And while there's room for serious critique and counter-critique, I just can't help but escape the shots that Jesus fired on topics like this that calls such actions into serious question. And as a Christ follower, as somebody who loves Jesus, I ultimately want to do things as Christ would have them to do, even if in my heart and mind, I could sit there and think, you know, Lord, I want to argue with you over this. But because he is Lord, I feel like I need to bring myself ultimately into submission to him. And I hope that we all learn to do the same, even as we wrestle with hard topics like this. So while I personally have a hard time offering sharp criticism of individuals like Mr. Beast or Oprah or Ty Pennington, or charity, or nonprofit organizations, and churches, and mom and pop businesses, and things of that nature, you know, who engage in this performative charity, because I'm so happy that somebody out there is somehow deciding to do something good for the benefit of somebody else, even if they, you know, make a buck in return, you know, but I'm still personally challenged, and I hope this podcast today has challenged you to think about these things. 
to wrestle with these things and to think, what type of person should I be when I engage in these types of behaviors? And what sort of things should I say in response to those who engage in these types of behaviors in ways that, you know, maybe I disagree with? Well, everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, episode 181. Mr. Beast heals 1,000 blind people on YouTube and the topic of performance charity. Hope I've given you something to think about this week. If you have and you've enjoyed this discussion and want to engage me further on it, email me, jimmy at jimmystable.com, or you can reach out to me on Facebook or Twitter, and you can find links to my Facebook and Twitter accounts over at jimmystable.com, and you can just click the various links. Would be more than happy to continue to dialogue with you. Or if you want to talk about these in person over a cup of coffee, I would love to talk over this in person with you over a cup of coffee or something to that extent. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to continue to get weekly podcast updates, go to jimmystable.com slash subscribe and find your favorite way to subscribe to this podcast, whether it's through Apple, Spotify, Google, or even old-fashioned email. And if you've not had the opportunity yet and you want to help this, this podcast grow, and go to the places like Apple and Spotify and leave your glowing five-star reviews about how you love this podcast and how it challenges you to think about your life and the way you operate in this world. Everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, jimmystable.com, where I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. Take care, everybody. God bless, and have a good one. That's all I have to say about that. That's so right on, man. You said it all.